we are honored to serve. Um, after 20 plus years in church ministry, uh, last year we, we felt like the Lord was calling us and moving us uh, in ministry and weren't really sure what it was. We just knew it revolved around mission. So we walked into our church and resigned on, uh, uh, on a Tuesday. Uh, we resigned, I, I believe it was the end of January, and, um, and then they said, okay, what are you doing? We said, we don't know. And they said, well, take your time. We're in no hurry for you to move on. Uh, about March, it was a little bit um, at a point where we knew, hey, God was saying, hey, let, it's time. Uh, let's set a date. So we set a date of May 1st, and a week later, COVID hit, and we had already resigned our church. Uh, but can I tell you the faithfulness of God, and He knows, and He's ordered each of our steps, no matter what we go through. God has ordered those steps for us, and uh, we, we found ourselves in a position with uh, world missions uh, to serve with Builders International. I have a background in construction. I've built houses for years and um, just really been blessed to use what God has given me and the talents and the abilities and the skills all around the world with missions and uh, just so elated that uh, God placed that call on our life at a time like now uh, where we get to make a difference, and we're excited about that. Uh, part of the reason of that is that deep down in our heart and in our soul, there's this desire to do something bigger than we are to do something greater than ourselves. And the truth is, each and every one of us is built with that desire in our heart. And that desire really is about leaving a legacy. It's not about how much money we can leave in a bank for our kids. It's not about the things that we can leave on this earth. It's about what can we do for the kingdom that outlasts us. When we pass away, what have we done with our lives that makes a difference, that, that reverberates through eternity way beyond the moments that we lived on this earth, and that's called a legacy for us. And the truth is, if we're going to build a legacy that we're proud of, that we want to leave for the kingdom, that starts today, and then it starts tomorrow, and then it starts the day after. It has to be intentional in our life. And, and, and here's the truth. Legacies aren't just built on good intentions. We can have the best intentions in life, but we have to put feet to our faith and see things happen through the power of the Holy Spirit and God in our lives. So we're going to be in Ecclesiastes today. If you have your Bible and you want to follow along, you can jump to Ecclesiastes. It'll be on the screen if not. But before we jump into His Word, can we pray? Father, we love You. So honored that we get the moment to be in Your house, to be in Your presence, to be with those that we're surrounded with that are part of our family as followers of You. And God, today as we share your word, may it not be my words, but may it be your word. Father, may your anointing and your presence be here. May our hearts and our lives be challenged and changed forever. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, the strong and mighty Son of God, we pray. Amen and amen. As we start to think about legacy, a re really a legacy is this. A legacy is what we leave. Our legacy is what lives beyond us. A legacy is what people remember when we are gone. What have we done that outlasts us? And there's a question that I often have in my mind, and when you leave here today, I want it to be a question that you constantly think about. And that question is this, what will outlive me? Not what can I get on this earth, but what can outlive me? What lives beyond my life? The breaths that I take, the moments that I live, the things that I do, what is it that will live beyond me? Is everything in my life about me, or am I doing something that goes beyond me? And today I want to encourage you, if you have breath in your lungs, you still have a legacy to leave. That there's still something, you, you, you never age out of legacy. 
Can I tell you, as long as there's a breath left, you have an influence somewhere. There's so many people, and we've heard it in ministry over the years, people retire and they do their thing, and there's been many I've sat down with in our church, and I would say, hey, what is it God has for you to do now? I'm retired. I'm just riding it out. We never ride it out. If there's breath left in our lungs, there's a legacy left to leave because God has a purpose for our life. We all have this craving that's deep down inside of us that we want our life to matter. And we crave it because it's how we were created. God created that in each and every one of us. Psalm 112 says this. 112 verse 6 says, Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. And we read that and automatically, and I did it for myself for so long, we read that and if we understand the definition of righteous, automatically we disqualify ourselves. Man, I'm a flawed human. There's no way I can be righteous. But the truth is this. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are righteous. The Bible says when we repent, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ, then we qualify, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what He has done. We were created to be righteous in God's sight and to have a feeling that because He is in me, I can never be shaken. What does that mean? Because of the righteousness, because of our faith in God, because He forgives our sins, because He makes us righteous in His sight, then we have a firm foundation to stand on in our life. Doesn't matter what we face. Doesn't mean that nothing ever goes wrong in life because we're righteous in His sight. It just means when things do go wrong, we have a firm foundation to stand on. That we have somewhere, somehow, a faith that we can stand on to know that God is in control of those situations. We crave legacy in our life because it's how we were created to live. And it's we can live out the life that He's given us because of His grace, because of His faithfulness, and because of the firm foundation that we have in Him. Now, I began to think about this legacy. And the truth is this. Any missionary, any person, any follower of Jesus Christ... The legacy that we leave really is because of the goodness that God has put in our life, of what He has given us. But there's this desire inside of us, and I began to think, I'm like, God, is this a desire that's just in me? Is this a desire that's in everybody? And, and, and when did this come about? So I began to search the Scriptures, and there's a gentleman in the Scripture named King Solomon, and he was really the richest and the smartest guy in the world. God had blessed him. He could have absolutely anything that he wanted. If he wanted it, he could attain it. If he could dream it, he could have it. Anything that he wanted, he could get. Now where we pick it up in Ecclesiastes is this. We're going to find that he's in a place where he's down in the dumps. He's kind of bummed out. Uh, he's bored with life. And he, says, uh, he basically says this. He says, you know what? I, I, I hear about these people that want their dream homes. And, and um, you know what? I can have it, so I'm going to build it. So he finds himself in a place... Uh, where he realizes anything I could possibly want, I can have it. So he begins to uh, try to fulfill that desire in him, that craving in him by earthly things. And this is what happens in Ecclesiastes 2, starting in verse 3. We'll pick it up there. It says this, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees. 
He's basically like, I, I heard people say, uh, if only I could build my dream house. Well, I can, and I'm going to build more than one, and I'm going to attach vineyards and everything that I possibly can to it. So he built mansions, and anything that he could dream up, he had with it. And then in verse 8, it says this. He says, I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers, a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. At this point, we realize in the Scriptures that, that he's got to a point where he's thinking through the process and he realizes everything is about me, me, me. Everything is about him. He starts to think about his legacy and he begins to think about what have I done with my life? What, have I, what do I have? What have, he, what have I created? And he's like, He's like us. He was created with this desire in him, but yet he's begun this process of achieving everything he thought would bring happiness to him. Everything he thought that would help him with that desire, but yet he's realizing it's not working. So he started thinking about his legacy, and in verse 16 he says this, For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. All of a sudden, there it is. His eyes are opened. It's all about me, me, me. It's amazing that he has all this stuff, and then he realizes it's about me. And then this is a thought through his head. He says, I'm on the path to be the richest, fastest, forgotten human in history. I am on the path to be the richest, fastest, forgotten human. I'm not going to leave a legacy. Verse 16, he says, So I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it meaningless. A chasing after the wind. He's saying, I'm wasting my life. I, I'm not doing anything that matters. And then it all comes to a conclusion in verse 26 when he says, To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. His conclusion was this, I need God. I have to make my life about God. I've got this craving inside of me and I've tried my best to fulfill that craving with the things of this world, with the houses and the yachts. I think they had yachts back then. All right, we're getting better. Y'all are warming up now. Y'all are warming up. You're catching on to me. I got a little sense of humor. Catching on. Yachts and motorhomes and houses and airplanes they had it all they jumped on a bird and flew they did something but they were there and he realizes that that craving inside of me the earthly things won't fill that that i need god that there has to be something different that fulfills this in me i don't want to be the the fastest richest per, forgotten person on this earth i want to make a difference with the life that god has given me and here's the truth. God knows we're all in that same boat, that there's this desire in us, and He knows that because He put it in us. It's from God that it's in us that we do something bigger than we are ourselves. So that to, today we get the opportunity to say this, I want that. I need that in my life. And why is that? God knows we're in the same boat, so He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. Why? 
so that we would have the opportunity to say, I need that in my life. I need Jesus in my life. So if we're going to fulfill this craving inside of us, this desire, we can't do it outside of God. So the only way to do it is to understand that Jesus came to this earth to die for our sin, to forgive us of our sins, to, so that we could be righteous in His eyes. And we get this as a gift, not, not the fact that we earned it, but it's a free gift from Him. But before Jesus did that, he said this, I know that life is short, and I know that this craving that's inside of you, that, that you want to leave a great legacy, you can do that by living a life of purpose. He says, let me tell you how to do it, and he gives us three basic principles. And all three of these principles are principles that will help us to fulfill this desire in our life. And these principles come from the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. The Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 36, it says this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all um, your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He says you want to live a great legacy? Then love God and love your neighbor. Then the disciples who were there, all of a sudden they, they, they get into this moment, they've just heard this, and they begin to have this conversation between them. They begin to debate between a couple of them and, uh, over who's going to be the greatest. I think they missed the point in that moment. Who's going to be the greatest? No, I'm going to be greater than you. No, I'm going to be greater than you. No, I'm going to grow a beard better than you. No, I'm going to do this better than you. No, I'm going to look better than Pastor Rob. It's a fact, but it is what it is. He grows a better beard, though. But there's this argument back and forth. But yet Jesus says some things that turn their conversation and their thought process upside down. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you. Always, to the very end of the age. And you think about that, and we're arguing over who's going to be the greatest, but the fact is we all have the same call. We all have the great commandment and the great commission as a part of our life that we're to go. He's put us on this earth for a purpose, and we all have the purpose of making Him famous. We've met Jesus. He's a part of our life. Now our goal is to share Him with others. And in sharing Him with others, we leave a legacy way beyond who we are. He says... He says, I know you want to do something that matters and, and it's a part of who we all are and that's the secret for us. So what's the secret? The secret comes from the great commandment and the great commission and the three principles the, that legacy starts with is this. Number one, love God. Number two, love people. And number three, reach the lost. You know, missionary stands on the platform today and gives you some of the most basic principles, but if we go back to the very beginning, what did I say? Legacies aren't built on good intentions. Good intentions don't leave a good legacy. We can have the best intentions in life to love God, but then we get caught up in our daily routine and forget what it really is to love God. We can have the best intentions to love people, but we get caught up in the circumstances around us or conversations or things that have been said or done to us and we forget to love people. That we can get so caught up in our jobs and in our families and in our life that we forget to reach the lost. Why? We have to remember that good intentions don't leave great legacies. I think we should all begin with these thoughts every single day. And I try to wake up every morning and let this be my thought. How can I love God more today? 
How can I love people more today? What can I do to reach the lost today? As a follower of Jesus Christ, those really should be implanted in our heart and a part of our purpose of every day that we walk this earth. Good intentions don't leave good legacies. We have to do what Jesus told us to do. So here's the basic and the simple. The first one was what? Love God. So how do we love God? Again, we could have the best intentions to love God, but unless there's some practices that we put into our life, they just become good intentions. How do we love God? Life with God is really listening. It's time in His Word. What's He saying? That we, we put His Word in our heart. We begin to read His Word and it speaks in our lives. It's solitude. It's spending time alone with Jesus. It's time in prayer. It's the time we spend with Him. There's praising and thanking. You know, we can look and we can see Pastor Rob and the amazing worship band that's up here every week, the worship team that leads us in worship. Is that worship? Yes, but that's not all worship is. Worship is the spirit of our heart and our life and of, uh, of gratitude and thankfulness of what God has done in our lives and we put it foremost in our life. It's learning and it's leaning into. It's really what are we doing to serve in our church? Maybe it's a part of a small group. Maybe it's standing at a door and smiling at people as they come in. Maybe it's at a tent to check in our guests as they walk into a building. Maybe it's serving in a small group or serving with Pastor Jason in Switch Youth or serving in kids. Uh, maybe it's working as a part of the coffee team and the coffee bar, set up, tear down, clean up. Whatever it is, we're leaning in and saying, God, you've created me for something bigger than I am and I want to serve in my church and I want to make a difference. So I want to introduce you to a young man. His name is Johan. Johan is a part of a, a church in Honduras, but he wasn't always a part of the church. Johan's on the left holding the plaque on the left. And Johan was a young man in a community that had never heard about Jesus. And we had a missionary several years ago that felt like God was... Uh, he was a missionary in Honduras, and he felt like God was calling him to plant a hundred churches. What an undertaking of a hundred churches in Honduras. And as he began to work through the process of this and, 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 and what does it look like, he began the process of building these churches. And he reached out to Builders International. He said, hey, God's called us to build these churches, and, and I feel like it's bigger than I am. How can you help? And we began the process with uh, this missionary and began to walk through the process. And as we planted a church in a specific community and built a church, Johan was introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Johan finds Jesus... And over the next few years, Johan went through disciplines. Disciplines in his life to learn how to love God. Good intentions don't leave good legacy. So he built principles in his life that this is what I'm going to live by. And those principles were the basic principles I just shared with you. How do we love God? How do we know God more? How do we grow in Him? Johan began this path with Jesus. He grows in Jesus and feels a call to ministry. So he goes to ministry school, gets an uh, education, in Bible and in pastoring. And can I tell you today, Pastor Johan is now called Pastor Johan. Pastor Johan is a pastor of one of the 100 churches that was a plan to be built in Honduras, and he's also a church planner. Can I tell you, Builders International says, okay, 100 churches in Honduras. So we call it the Honduras 100 Initiative. But just last year in 2020, we had to change that from the Honduras 100 Initiative to the Honduras 100 Plus Initiative. Just in February, we finished Church 122. At the end of February, we finished Church 123. Just a minute ago, uh, being uh, last month, we finished Church 124 and we've begun Church 125. The process continues. Why? Because there's a young man named 
Johann who says, there are people that need to be reached. So Johann shows up at every church that we build to be a part of the team to build the church because Johann has learned to love God. Through what God had done in his life, he decided he wanted to make a difference in others. The question for you today is this, as you look at those basic principles of just loving God, what can we do to love God more? Have any of those things become good intentions in your life? Because good intentions don't leave great legacies. It's our love for God that begins to change the legacy that we leave. At the age of 14, I can't remember ever hearing the gospel where I could understand it. As a little kid, I attended a church in Traveler's Rest right here that the kids' ministry was in the basement of the church, and all I remember is there were some puppets that day and a man that stood at the door offering me candy when I left. I don't remember hearing the gospel. I just have a visual of puppets and the man standing at the double doors with a piece of candy. At the age of 14, my neighbor Evelyn... I was playing basketball with her son. He was my best friend. We lived across the street from one another. It was a Wednesday in August. And Jonathan, my friend, asked me to go to church. And I said no. And he asked me again, and I said no. And he asked me again, and I said no. And then Miss Evelyn came in the scene, and she didn't ask. She told me I was going to church, and if Miss Evelyn told you something, you did it. Um, if not, you might have got... I, have to admit, I did get hit with a five-gallon bucket one time because I didn't do what she said, uh, lots of other things. But I was scared of Miss Evelyn. I got in the car. I went to church, and um, I walked into church for the first time at the age of 14, and I heard the gospel for the first time I could remember. And I accepted Jesus Christ in my life that night. And that night, I became a link, became a link in Miss Evelyn's legacy. My life was changed because she decided that I'm not going to take no for an answer. There's a young man that needs to hear the gospel. At 14, the only time I can remember hearing Jesus' name was in a cuss word. Can I tell you, there's still those kids out there today. And when we love God, we love people. And when we love people, we reach the lost. It's a part of who we are. Psalm 112 1 and 2 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Because of your pursuit after God and choices that you make, you can change the course of history for others. They can become a link in the legacy that you leave when you walk off of this earth. When we're promoted to heaven, what we leave behind becomes our legacy. Who are we leaving behind to carry the torch beyond us? So we love God, then we love people. I want to tell you about a place in the Ukraine. The place in Ukraine is called Hope in Action Medical Center. Hope in Action, there's a picture of, of the actual building now, but Hope in Action, the... the uh, dream of hope and action is this. That's a medical facility that's being built in Ukraine. There, are, there was a missionary that went to Ukraine and, and said, I'm going to make a difference here. And over the years, the missionary's been there, and he's made a difference in the country. And there are, are 200 medical professionals that have come together. They've found Jesus. They've come together as a group, and they said, we're going to make a difference in our country and in our communities in our country. So in uh, Ukraine, they decided we're going to offer free health care. So they will go into their communities as an outreach, 
and they're in their communities, uh, they will offer free medical care. But to receive the free medical care, you have to hear the gospel. And um, once you've heard the gospel, you can receive the free medical care, and then you're prayed for, and uh, you receive meds or whatever you need. Can I tell you, through those crusades, there's been many people that have been healed on the spot from Jesus. But beyond that, they've had, over the years, they've had 350 medical crusade outreaches there in Ukraine. And out of those 350, over 10,000 people have come to know Jesus. Why? Because there's 200 medical professionals who say, I love Jesus. I'm going to take what he's given me, and I'm going to use it for the kingdom. And they've made a difference. So a missionary that we have partners with these medical professionals says, we need a building. Why do we need a building? Because we want to build a building that has medical space in it, that has a church space in it, and that has education space in it. So now we're in the process of building this building in the middle of Ukraine so people can come every single day. These medical professionals have volunteered every single day on a rotation schedule to be there. So every single day, it's not just when we can go do an outreach, every day. People will come to receive free medical care to hear about Jesus and have the opportunity. The 10,000 that have accepted Christ will become tens and tens and ten thousands more of knowing Jesus because there are some people that said, I want to make a difference. I love people, I love God, and I want to make a difference. Listen to me. What we do for ourselves dies with us. What we do for others lives beyond us. What we do for ourselves dies with us. What we do for others lives beyond us. Now, I need you to think back to the conversation where the disciples, they were arguing who was going to be better, who was going to be the best, who's going to be the greatest. We're going to jump from Matthew to Mark. Mark chapter 9, verse 34. Jesus said it like this. But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be very last and the servant of all. So you're in the middle of arguing about who's going to be better, and Jesus drops a bomb on you. He says, you want to be the best, then you have to be last. You can't be first, you have to be last. You want to leave a legacy? Start serving people. Put people before you. You want to do something that matters? You want some links in your legacy? Do something that matters. Start loving people. Start serving people. Start being generous with people. Good intentions don't leave good legacies. I told you about Miss Evelyn, and I need you to see this for a moment. Miss Evelyn is the kindest, sweetest lady you'll ever meet. Miss Evelyn's now 183 years old. Not really, but she might be about 70. Um, but Miss Evelyn reached out to a little 14-year-old kid that lived across the street that was friends with her son. But Miss Evelyn was a school teacher in a school right here in Traveler's Rest, and her students were her mission field. Her students' families were her mission field. There are countless people, students and kids, that have been drugged to church and heard the gospel and their lives transformed and changed. There are kids all across the country serving in ministry today because Miss Evelyn loved them and scared them into the kingdom. Listen, you thought hell was hot. Mess with Miss Evelyn. It's a true story. I'll bring her up here to meet you one day. Uh, but Miss Evelyn loves people. Miss Evelyn's been on countless missions trips with us. Miss Evelyn does outreach. She volunteers in her church. She volunteers in her community. She volunteers in her schools. And Miss Evelyn is a saint. But here's the truth if the Lord tarries one day, Miss Evelyn's going to pass away, and there's going to be a funeral. 
and there's going to be droves of people that show up for her funeral just because of what she did for them, the legacy that she left. And you know what? There's going to be a line of people that want to get up and say, this is what Miss Evelyn did for me, and I'm going to be at the front of the line. And we're all going to be there, and we're going to say, hey, let me tell you how she served me. Let me tell you how she changed my life. Let me tell you how she gave to me. Let me tell you how she went out of her way for me. Let me tell you how she built me up. Can I tell you, that's what a legacy looks like. A legacy is not defined by stuff. It's defined by stories. A legacy is not defined by stuff. It's not defined by what we can gather on this earth. It's defined by the stories of the life change because of what we did with what God gave us. This is what legacy looks like. Love God, love people, and reach the lost. I want to tell you about the Philippines. One of my favorite stories about how God shows up and lives are changed. In the Philippines, every year there are about 7 million children that are either sexually abused or sex trafficked. 7 million, let that sink, 7 million children every year. So we had a missionary that lands in the Philippines and begins to pray, God, what is it that you want us to do? God, what is it that you want us to do? How do we make a difference here in the Philippines? How do we leave a legacy? What are some links in our chain of legacy here in the Philippines? And God planted in their heart a dream for an orphanage. Not just any orphanage, but an orphanage for sexually abused and trafficked children. So out of that prayer, there's a dream that's birthed for Happy Horizons Children's Ranch. Now, Happy Horizons Children's Ranch is now a ranch that is there in the Philippines, and there are droves of kids that come through that ranch that have been sexually abused, sexually trafficked, and they find hope and they find healing there at the ranch. I can't imagine being a kid in those situations and feeling so helpless and hopeless. And there's a ranch that a missionary had a dream of to build hope into the lives of these children. So these children show up at the ranch and they, they receive counseling, they receive help, they receive clothing, they receive food, they receive an education, but above all that, they receive an introduction into who Jesus Christ is. They have daily chapels and church services and discipleship that takes place there at Happy Horizons Children's Ranch. So, as you can imagine, seven million kids are a lot of kids. This ranch will probably never be able to service all 7 million kids. But there's a desire as the ranch is full. Let me tell you how full the ranch is. Just a few weeks ago, there were some kids that were in a desperate situation, and the ranch is absolutely full. There's no more kids. There's no more space for kids at this orphanage. So some of the staff there that stay on campus, because you have to have state staff that stay with the campus, said, hey, we're going to make room. So they moved out of their room, went into a closet, moved everything out of the closet, and began sleeping on the floor to make room for more kids because they're out of space. Sorry. That'll touch your heart. So a missionary reaches out to Builders International and says, hey, we have to expand. We're out of room. We don't have any space. I have no idea how to build. What can we do? So Builders International has partnered with the missionaries at Happy Horizons Children's Ranch, and we're now expanding the dormitories for the kids. We're, we're building new housing for new house parents because more kids, you have to have more staff for the place. We're digging a deep water well so they never run out of water. There they run out of water, so we're digging a deep water well. We have uh, a, a group of folks 
that know what they're doing and they're building a hydroponics plant. They're on the property so they're self-sustained so they can build, uh, so they can grow their own vegetables and feed their own fish so they'll be self-contained. We have also partnered with um, locals there to locally resource rice for the ranch. Why? Because that's our heart to build hope in the lives of children around the world. But I want to tell you about one young lady that went through the ranch. Her name is Amy. Amy, at the age of 14, her mother had died, and she was being sexually molested and becomes pregnant. The person sexually molesting Amy and impregnated her was her own father. At the age of 14, it comes to light what was happening because she becomes pregnant. She's removed from the home. He's placed in prison and is still in prison to this day. Amy, at the age of 14, has her father's child and places the child up for adoption, finds herself at Happy Horizons Children's Ranch, and finishes out her high school career there at the ranch. There she receives counseling. Through counseling and the power of the Holy Spirit and services, she receives healing in her heart and in her mind. Amy finishes high school. She's aged out of the program and has to leave, but the counselors knew there at the ranch there was something different about Amy, so they began to help Amy get into college. Amy went to college, finished college. After she finished college, she decided she wanted to be a lawyer, went to law school. Amy is currently awaiting, she's finished law school, currently awaiting to take her bar exam in the Philippines, and Amy will become a lawyer in the Philippines. But can I tell you, that's not where the story ends. Because of the hope Amy was given at Happy Horizons Children's Ranch, Amy has decided, I want to offer the same hope. So Amy will be a lawyer, an attorney, an advocate for children in the Philippines that are being sex trafficked and abused in their homes. It's come full circle because God's grace is so good. That lives will be changed, links will be added, all because of what God is doing. Can I tell you today, we may not be at happy horizons. We may not be able to serve at the clinic in the Ukraine. We may not be on the ground to build churches in Honduras. We may not be there to build a Bible school or dormitories or churches in Ecuador or anywhere else around the world. But we are in our schools. We are in our neighborhoods. We are in our families. We are in our workplaces. We are in our communities to make a difference. I used to look at missionaries when I was young and think, those are the heroes. And truthfully, they really are heroes. They sell everything they own and they fly across the world and to make a difference in a place that they've probably never been before in their lives. But can I tell you who the real heroes are? The real heroes who say, I'm going to back them, I'm going to pray for them, I'm going to send them, and I'm going to do my part right here in the States, in my own community. You guys are the heroes because you're reaching the people right here. We're all called to a different mission field. Some it may be in Ecuador, some it may be in uh, Belize, some it may be in Brazil, some it may be in Africa. Some, it may be in a neighborhood right down the street. Some, it may be in Traveler's Rest High School. Some, it may be at the attorney's office where you serve. But we're all called to do our part. If we do our part, God will do His part. I need you to see something for me real quick as I end. I told you I'm a link in Miss Evelyn's legacy. She reached my life because she wouldn't take no for an answer. So I became a link in her legacy. I'm a life that was changed because of the decisions that she made. 
For over 20 years, I prayed for my mom and dad to come to know Jesus. And just a few years ago on my dad's deathbed, he looked at me and said he had made everything right with Jesus. So now my dad is a link in my legacy, but also a link in Miss Evelyn's legacy because it all started with her. Now my mom, Miss Evelyn, that led me to Jesus, Miss Evelyn, now has my mom involved in a prayer group, has my mom involved in a discipleship group, a Bible study group. My mom now faithfully attends church because Miss Evelyn, 30 plus years ago, decided, hey, this boy needs to know about Jesus. I became a link in her legacy. My mom and dad became a link in my legacy, which then really was a link in Miss Evelyn's legacy. I want you to see something. I need you to understand this and really understand what this looks like. It all started with me at the age of 14. At the age of 16, I, I, I felt a call into ministry. At the age of 18, I went to Bible school and decided, hey, I'm, this is what God's called me to do, and I'm going to do this with my life. Graduated Bible school, went into ministry for 17 years, served in youth ministry, then became an associate pastor, then became an executive pastor, and now I have the privilege and the honor to serve as a missionary, a globally assigned missionary all over the world. We have 73 projects in 53 different countries, $2.7 million worth of projects happening right now that I get to be a part of. But can I tell you, every person that walks through one of those buildings that we build around the world, and here's the gospel, becomes a link in my legacy. Every teenager that I ministered to as a youth pastor, every teenager that Pastor Jason ministers to becomes a link in his legacy. Every man that you minister to at the men's center becomes a link in the legacy. But it's not just my legacy. As my legacy grows, Miss Evelyn's legacy grows because it all started with her. It started with one woman who said, I can't give up on a 14-year-old kid. He doesn't know Jesus, and he needs to know Jesus. Why? Because of the great commandment and the great commission. We have a desire in our heart to do something bigger than we are, to be greater than we are, to leave a legacy for the kingdom because it's built inside of us. How do we do that? By loving God, by loving people, and by reaching the lost. Our legacy never ends. We don't build it for us. We build it for the kingdom. When I leave this earth, my legacy doesn't stop. Because I have opportunity and privilege to build projects around the world. I have people that I've introduced to Jesus. I have people that I've ministered to that will then minister to other people, that will then minister to other people, that they become links in their legacy, that they become links in my legacy, which is all a part of the legacy that began with a woman named Miss Evelyn that would not take no for an answer. If we do our part, God will do His part. Love God, love people, 